we'll go ahead and get right on into it. <clears throat> First Thessalonians, as we've heard throughout the whole week, uh, 4 and 7 says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Uh, tonight, I've been asked to talk about a very important subject, a subject which some may have questions, some may not, um, but hopefully if you do have questions, you leave here with an understanding and a revelation that comes from the Lord. I believe if you open your heart and you receive it from the Lord, you're going to leave here, you're going to be speaking differently, you're going to be talking differently, and you're even going to be praying differently. Um, during this series, we've, um, we've been reminded of the verse of Scripture that says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, Therefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He doesn't want us to blend into the world. He wants us to be different. It's God's desire that when someone looks at us, they should see that there's something different about us. God's holiness that's on the inside of us should be reflecting on the outside of us, and the whole world should be able to see it. God wants everybody to know who his children are. He set up an outward standard of living for that. And that lets everybody know that we're a part of his family. We're a child of the king. So tonight, I'm going to speak to you about the subject of hair. Um, before we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where we find the, the topic of hair, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. And I have the New International Version. I don't know if you can put that up there or not, but I'll just read it. Um, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Paul's words here tell us that he's not just writing to the Corinthians, but he's writing to everybody, everywhere, who call on the name of Jesus so that that's every believer everywhere, no matter what denomination. If you call on the name of Jesus, that's who he's talking to. The principles Paul taught to the Corinthians were timeless and relevant for every culture. So let's keep that in mind when we read um, the next portion of scriptures. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 3 through 16. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head, which is God. For every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head, which is man. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. 
but all things of God. Judge in yourselves, is it, coming, is it comingly that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Do not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given, given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, he have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Um, as we get into the subject of hair, it's very important that we understand the context and the purpose for which it's written. We have to understand why our hair is to remain uncut. At the very start of our text, the word of God gives us the reason for the teaching. In verse 3 when it says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. You see, God has set up uh, an order of authority, an order of his creation. First God, then man, then woman. The head, the head or the authority of man is God, and the head or the authority of woman is man. Now, if you're not married, you don't have a spouse, it would be your father or your pastor or your stepfather, your guardian. You see, just the male authority in your life. We have to understand that. The hair issue is a submission issue to our authority. God has set it up so that our hair is an indication of our willingness to fulfill the proper role that he's calling us to as men and women. 1 Corinthians 11 and 4 says, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. Not talking about this head, but her head the man for that is even as one as if she were shaven if a man's physical head is covered he dishonoreth his spiritual head and if a woman's physical head is covered or uncovered she dishonors her spiritual head again it's going back to the original order of creation and talking about the authority so if the man's head is covered he dishonors god which is his authority and the woman's head is uncovered she dishonoreth her husband her spouse her father her pastor and also god those are the authorities in her life so what does it mean for our physical heads to be covered or uncovered what's it talking about uh, verse 14 said doeth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair it is a shame unto him but if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. So here in Scripture, we see that when Paul's talking about being covered or uncovered, he's talking in relation to our hair. The whole chapter itself is talking about our hair. So let's go back. If our hair is our covering, then how does a man dishonor his head, which is God? And how does a woman dishonor her head, which is man? In verse 7, it says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. The word um, cover there in relation to hair comes from the Greek word kata, which means down. Um, it's making reference to hair that is down the head or that can be let down. Verse 4 says, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, 
dishonoreth his head. So if a man is having hair that is down or hair that is could be let down, he's dis- dishonoring his head, which is God. Verse 14, doeth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. You see, God instilled something in men that just automatically let them know that growing their hair is something that females do. It's just a natural thing. If you look around, you see men everywhere with short hair up until about the last probably 100 years. And and um, when you do see a man that has long hair, usually he's trying to make a statement. And usually that statement is coming from some sort of rebellion in his heart. And so, therefore, he's letting his hair grow to show that. Their inward rebellious attitude has caused them to rebel against the order that God has set up for creation. So we see that God has set it up so that when the man stays in order with God by keeping his hair short, then that's when they experience the blessings that come along with being obedient to the order that God has set up. So when we stay obedient to the order that God has created for us, we receive blessings. Who doesn't want to receive blessings? I want to make sure that I'm staying in the order that God has created for me. So that was all about men. So now let's talk about us ladies. Verse 5 says, But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. So we know that the covering is talking about our hair. And in, in some way, it dishonors our husband or the male authority in our life and God by being uncovered, okay? So the Word of God is telling us that the woman, that the, the Word of God is telling the woman that it's his desire that the woman be covered. And what, what does it mean to be covered? We see that if a man is to have not, or to be uncovered, then a woman is to be covered, so we should let our hair grow, okay? We should, we should not cut it, um, the woman should just do the opposite and allow it to continually grow. So if the man are to, told to keep it cut, we're to do the opposite and, and keep it uncut. First, verse 15 says, But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Her long, her long hair is her covering and also her glory. What does it mean to have long hair? We find two words that Paul uses here in reference to women's hair and uh, in the Greek. And, it, and the one word is kameo, and the other word is kame. Both words meaning wearing long hair or to let one's hair grow long or having hair that is uncut and allowed to grow. When the Bible instructs the woman to have long hair, it just means that we make a conscious decision to not cut it and that we allow it to continually to grow. So it doesn't matter if your hair is touching the ground or if your hair is up to your ears. It's that you make the conscious decision to let it grow. The Bible simply requires that it remains uncut, and that's all God is looking for, as a sign that you're being obedient to the order that he has set up for the woman. So whether you're new in the Lord, 
and you just come to the Lord, maybe you understand and maybe you do not. All that the Lord is looking for is that you make the conscious decision to say, I'm not going to cut my hair. And if your hair is short, there's no reason for you to be ashamed. You've just made that decision. I'm not going to cut my hair anymore. And when you make that decision, you please God. And, and then you're allowing the blessings of the Lord to fall upon your life. And then if you're a seasoned saint and you've been in the church for years and maybe you've struggled in this area and maybe you have cut your hair here and there and, you know, maybe you're struggling with it now. But as long as you have made up your mind that I'm not going to do that any longer, then you're saying, God, I'm, I'm obedient to your word. And then that's all that matters. So don't be ashamed if you have cut your hair and your hair is, is shorter. Don't be ashamed because you know in your heart what, you, what you're doing. And you're saying, Lord, I'm not doing that any longer. I'm going to be obedient to your word. And then you're opening your life up for blessings to flow. For once we make that decision, then our hair becomes long in the sight of God. And we be, then we immediately receive the benefits of being obedient. Verse 6, for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. What it's saying is in God's eyes, if you're not going to make the conscious decision to let your hair continually grow, then it would be the same as if your hair were to be shaven off. And I don't know how many of you women would want to shave your hair off. I know that I wouldn't. <laughs> but that's what that scripture is saying. If a woman is to remain in the order that God has placed her in, one of the requirements is uncut hair. So even if you're just trimming a little here and trimming a little there, it would be the same as if you were shaving your head in the eyes of God. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're cutting six inches off or if you're trimming an inch off. You're still cutting it. So in the eyes of God, you might as well shave it, okay? The amount that's cut off isn't important. What's important is that God sees your disobedience. And then that, in return, takes you out of the order that God has placed you. And, re and then it moves you into the order of the man. And that's not what God desires for us. 1 Corinthians 11 and 6 says, For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. The word of God tells, uh, the word of God calls it a shame for a woman to cut her hair. The word shame or disgraced, um, as stated in the NIV, comes from the Greek word ashron, I believe I'm saying that right, or the root word ashros, meaning filthy, or also meaning disfigurement. So it makes sense if we, if we were to cut our bodies, we're disfiguring them, right? So likewise, if we're cutting our hair, God views that as being the same shame or disfigurement. And that's pretty strong words. You know, many of us wouldn't even think about cutting our bodies and, and disfiguring our bodies. So it's the same word in the Bible that means disfigurement that's talking about your hair. So why would we want to disfigure our bodies by cutting our hair? It's our choice to allow our hair to grow. And when we choose to allow our hair to grow, it connects us with glory, with power, and with angels. The choice to cut our hair is associated with disfigurement, disgrace, shame, 
and filth. So it's our choice. Which one do you choose? 1 Corinthians 11 and 10 gives us a good reason to choose a covering. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. The woman who chooses to submit to God's divine order, which is God being the head of man, man being the head of woman, shows her submission by not cutting her hair. And in doing this, she has power on her head. That's awesome. In this scripture, the word on, in the phrase on her head, can be translated as of position. The woman has power of position when she is in her God-ordained place. Now that's awesome. Uncut hair shows that we are in submission to the authority in our life, which gives us power of position. When we display God's order to the world through our covering or our uncut hair, we obtain power, glory, and honor. When we keep our hair, we keep God's ordained position. When, um, when we are doing this, we're also modeling to the world an important spiritual illustration. When we as women joyfully accept our role in God's kingdom, we are an example to the world of the relationship between Jesus and his church. Uncut hair or our covering shows proper relationship. Um, it's, it, it is um, a recognition that women was made for God the same way that humankind was made for man. We are, of course, uh, a lesser vessel than a man, but we're an object of love to be cherished. But just because we're a weaker vessel doesn't mean that the man has a higher value than us, okay? We're weaker, but they're not, they're not greater than us. We have to keep that in mind. Paul makes that very plain in 1 Corinthians 11 and 11 when it says, Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. So please don't think just because you are submitting yourself to the male figure in your life through submission by not cutting your hair that you're, you're lower than he is. That, that's not how God sees it. He sees that we are for one another. All right, moving to verse 15. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Long hair is a woman's glory given to her for a covering. We have an ability to choose how we handle the glorious covering that God has given us. Are we going to treat it with honor and care and take care of it and wear it as a crown? Or are we going to abuse it and cut it off and, and not treasure what God has given us? And, and let me just say, you know, we, we as ladies choose not to cut our hair, and it's our glory. So if it is our glory, are we going to take care of it? I believe that, you know, we, we're being submitted by not only cutting our hair, and my husband can correct me, but I try to teach my girls that, you know, God gave you this hair, and, and we have one shot at it. So, you know, we're not going to cut our hair, so we need to make sure that we're taking care of it, that we're honoring it, and that we're not just, you know, treating it roughly or, you know, take care of it. This is all you get. You know, don't, don't rip your ties out of your hair and rip it off. You know, take care of your hair. Honor it. It's your glory. I know that's not scriptural, but I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Okay, looking back on verse 15. Some people argue um, it is not a direct command in this verse. They argue that it says, if a woman have long hair, or if a woman has long hair. God continues to give people a free will. He gave us a free will from the very beginning of time. But the word glory in this verse is the same word translated for the majesty of God that filled the tabernacle in the wilderness in Hebrews 9 and 5. The word glory in this scripture also refers to the radiance and splendor that fills heaven's throne room in Revelations 15 and 8. According to Thalyer's lexicon, it also means on whom the divine glory rests. It's awesome. When we make the choice to leave our hair uncut and allow it to continually grow, we most importantly stay in in God's ordained order. But secondly, we become one on whom the divine glory rests. That is awesome to think about. I mean, that word glory is the same word that was used when it talks about the radiance and the splendor that fills heaven's throne room. That's awesome. That rests upon us. That's the word glory is the same word that talks about uh, the majesty of God that filled the tabernacle in the wilderness. That's awesome. That same word in that scripture is what rests upon us, a divine glory. Praise God. I've heard people also say things like, is this really necessary? Do we really have to do this? 1 Corinthians 11 and 10 does say ought, or it doesn't say must have long hair. But uh, the Greek word for ought is awful, I believe. You can come and read it for yourself, but I'm pretty sure it's awful, which means to owe, to be in debt for, or that which is due. So to answer, is it really necessary, I'm going to ask you, will you choose to give God that which is due? Are you going to give him what's due to him? Some also say, define what is long. What's long? God is so good and perfect when it comes to this question. Some women's hair, God made us all different. And some women's hair grows, you know, maybe to here and stops growing. Some women's hair grows to here and stops growing. Some women have hair to the floor. I like to say Rapunzel hair. Some women have so much hair, like Sister Lucretia, that they could blanket a third world country. (laughs) You know, some people have thin hair, okay? But long, um, if, if long meant inches... We could get caught up in judging our spirituality by how long our hair was. But the Greek word for long hair in verse 14 and 15 doesn't have anything to do with the measurement of your hair. For, uh, the word measurement is a noun. The Greek word coma, which is the word used for long hair, is a verb. That means it is an action word. Something that is happening continually. So if we're going to allow our hair to grow, that means we aren't shortening it in any fashion. We're not cutting it. We're not shaving it. And we're not trimming it. Because it's impossible if we cut our hair to have our hair continually to grow. If you're cutting it, your hair is not continuing to grow as you're cutting it. Okay, so that word coma coma, uh, was a verb, 
a verb, an action, something happening continually. Long hair is not a thing for women to achieve, but an active, ongoing growth, something that can be seen. It's a continual condition, the same way guys continually to maintain their short hair. Long hair is a lady's visual amen, or so be it, to her inner acceptance of God's desire as a lady. I am a woman of God doing things God's way. My hair says amen. I am walking in the divine order or authority that God desires for me. My hair says amen. I live in God's divine order in the presence of angels, and that gives me power. And my hair says amen. amen. Praise God. That's exciting to me. Um, and in closing, I just want to talk to you about um, a, a person in the Bible um, that we all know, Moses. And he was a great example. God loved Moses. There was no other prophet like Moses. Moses knew the Lord face to face. Moses was used to perform miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt and in the desert. No one before or after Moses ever demonstrated the mighty power that he did before Pharaoh and Israel in Deuteronomy 34. There never has been a more meek or humble man than Moses. But there was one time in Moses' life where Moses decided to take matters into his own hands. It may seem like a small thing. However, it cost Moses much. And you all know the story of the Israelites. I don't have time to, to go into the whole story. Um, but they were in the desert. They needed water, and they were worried. And they looked to Moses, and Moses in return looked to God which is the order thing. They looked to Moses, and Moses looked to God. Moses received instructions from God on what he needed to do in order to get water, for he told Moses to speak to the rock, and water would come forth. However, Moses didn't follow God's instructions. He decided to do it his way and hit the rock instead of speaking to it. Now that seems kind of small. doesn't really seem like it's a big thing, but he didn't follow the Lord's instructions. But God mercifully supplied the water they needed, but judgment fell upon Moses. Moses was des uh, denied entry into the promised land. He wasn't allowed to go. And, and some of you may ask why. Well, God gives us the answer in Deuteronomy 32 and 51. In the New uh, International Version, it says, You did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites. After all that Moses had done for God, God didn't allow him an opportunity to repent. But I'm thankful that we still have an opportunity to repent. We still have an opportunity to get our lives right in the sight of God. Moses hitting the rock seemed like an insignificant thing, but through the story of Moses, God gives us a clear picture. When we hear God's word, yet we do it our own way, it doesn't uphold God's holiness. Like Moses missing out on the promised land, we also miss out on the blessings that God has for us when we choose not to submit to his divine plan for our life. Holiness is more than just being filled with the Holy Ghost. It's a daily walk with the Lord, 
a constant consecration, prayer, reading the word of God, seeking his face. Even from the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, before sin was even in the world, God had off limits. He had boundaries. When you guys are driving down a road and you see um, a construction barricade to keep you off of a road because there's construction work going on and if you go down that road you could cause harm to your car or possibly even yourself, you just trust that that's the case and you don't go down that road, right? Has anybody ever went down a road where there's been a construction barricade? No, we just simply follow the directions and we obey it, right? Well, the same thing is with the Word of God. He places boundaries and sets boundaries up for the church so that we stay on the right pathway, so that we walk on the right journey. He doesn't do it to make our road rough or to make it hard. He simply places them there to keep us on the road that is heaven-bound and God-centered and full of blessings. Praise God. So tonight, I just challenge you, if, if maybe you came and this is an area that you question about cutting your hair, or maybe you've struggled in it, or you didn't fully understand it, I just ask that in your own prayer time with the Lord, that you go home and you just ask God, God, open my heart to your word. Open my heart to what I heard tonight. And if you want to get the tape and listen to it and study it out for yourself, I challenge you to do that. Because if you're obedient to this area in your life, you have power. When you pray, you have power because you're obedient and you're submitted to the word of God. And you're in the divine order that God has chosen for you as a lady. So if you're questioning it, pray and ask God to give you a revelation, to lay it upon your heart. And, and if, you're, if, you're, if you've got a revelation of this, praise God. Be, be an encouragement to someone who maybe doesn't understand it or who is struggling. You know, be there for them. And, and also, you know, don't look down upon anybody. Don't make anybody feel ashamed or, uh, um, you know, don't tell them when they get into the church that you need to be not cutting your hair because they need to get it for themselves. They need to get a revelation for themselves. Because how many of you know when we get a revelation for ourselves, it sticks? When we do it because we feel like it's something we have to do or it's something that's expected of us, then it's hard and we struggle with it always. But when we get a revelation that comes from God, it's going to stick. Amen? Praise God. Let's all stand. Let's just pray and uh, let's ask the Lord to continually work on us daily. Because like I said, holiness isn't just getting the Holy Ghost. Holiness is a, a daily thing. We continually have to ask the Lord to help us. As Pastor Anthony talked about, holiness begins inwardly. And, and we struggle with our inward man probably more than we do our outward man, I would say. So let's just pray that God will just work on us as a person, inwardly and outwardly. Let's lift our voices. Lord, we thank you tonight, God, for your...